0: Treat yourself like you would treat somebody else. I think that's a big thing. Treat yourself with kindness. Treat yourself with grace. And take your own advice that you would give to somebody else. I think that's a big thing is, is reminding yourself that you are a human being. You, It is okay not to be okay. It is okay to struggle. And it's okay to go get help even if you don't need help. It's okay to go and chat with a therapist or a behavioral health psychologist just because you want to talk to somebody with an unbiased opinion. I think that is a great thing to do and make sure that you're open-minded and willing to change.
1: Welcome to Not A Ten Podcast with Mary Griffin. Um, I have an old friend with me on the pod today, Anna Callahan from the women's lacrosse team at Duke. We have known each other since like middle school, elementary school. We both played for the same club program one year apart. So we weren't on the same team, but Anna is literally such a character. (laughs) I mean, like we're both (laughs) characters. I'm like worried how long this episode is going to be, but like you know, we have some interesting things to uh, talk about and to say, and I think there's going to be a lot of personality in this episode, which is super fun and just like really important topics are going to be covered, transitioning to college, dealing with mental health and just things like that. But um, also shout out, Anna, you are number 10 on the Duke women's lacrosse team and not a 10, number 10. I'm number 10 too. And I just love that. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for being here today.
0: Yeah no I'm really excited to be here. I like Mary said before we've been good friends for a long time and it's been really really cool to kind of grow through the lacrosse community and into college after being in middle school and high school and knowing each other through that process too and like like Mary said as well definitely a lot of personality here. Um I'm from like Western Howard County Maryland just you know small town girl just here on this podcast I'm really excited to kind of get into stuff and talk about mental health and you know ways to break the stigma and different things that might help younger kids that are transitioning into college so I think a lot of this stuff is awesome and I'm really really honored that Mary thought of me to be on this so I'm I'm super excited
1: oh yes you are like the perfect guest like open, (laughs) open open vulnerable love it but um yeah so I think like it's funny I was like texting you and I was like my contact picture for you is still us of a picture of us in middle school, like in yeah. our MD uniforms. I'm like, oh my God, we look like children, but it's so funny. Yeah, um, and like also growing up, I feel like you were so known, like in our little circle of like lacrosse, club lacrosse, like we we're like, oh Anna, like she's so athletic. Like we we're like, she could do like flips <laughs> and like crazy stuff like that. So like just like get into like how you grew up, what was your family like? Where did sports play a part? Just get into it. Let us us hear it.
0: So I have four siblings and I have three brothers and a little sister. And um, I'm the second oldest. I'm the oldest girl. And both of my parents played sports in college. So my dad played soccer at Richmond and my mom was a cheerleader at Loyola. And so sports has been a big part of my life for a really long time. When I was younger, I literally played at one point, like eight sports in it's like, I was literally fully playing like seven sports, eight sports in one season and like two practices. a night. just, it got to a point where my parents were like, okay, like we're literally not doing this to you. You're doing it to yourself and you love it. It's like so weird. (laughs) And I love like playing just like, I'm super, super, super competitive with everything I do board game, like Mm -hmm. anything. I just, it's always a competition, like everything we do. And I think that just stems from being a part of a big family and kind of just always, especially being one of the oldest, trying to make sure that I'm setting a really good example for my siblings and trying new things and making sure that I'm really focusing on the things that are going to better me for my future self as well. Kind of like being in sports, I think is a really good precursor for being in the work field. It teaches you how to work as a team, uh, it teaches you a lot of different things, how to pivot right in that mo- moment and change what you're focusing on. Um, I think it does a lot of really cool things, especially for, you know, kids who are growing up. And for me, I have really bad ADHD. So it was a really good outlet (laughs) um, for me to kind of get some of that energy out and, and play around and do all those things. So I played when I was little, I played lacrosse, soccer, basketball, field hockey, so on a golf and tennis team and I snowboarded. So I have really done. Oh, and I played T-ball. That was a fun one for me. I played baseball. So that was fun, but I I really have played a lot of sports and and tried to make sure that I'm doing everything to see what I really liked, but you know, kind of around, around middle school time when we knew each other, I, I quit playing the like ODP travel soccer teams and really focused on lacrosse because that's what I wanted to do. I knew when I was young, I wanted to play sports in college. Ever since I was a little kid, Mia Hamm and Carla Overbeck were two of my like, idols playing sports. And one of the coolest things actually is Carla is a a coach at Duke for soccer. So I've got to meet her and like kind of befriend her and like meet one of my idols growing up. So I think that's kind of a pretty cool fact, but yeah,
1: that is really cool. Um, you like uh, played so many sports, like the list goes on and on, but I think like I've been coaching like so many like clinics, like lacrosse stuff. And the thing that I've realized that like kind of shifted in the lacrosse world is like, kids are like playing like just lacrosse, like, and like, obviously you're really successful, like lacrosse player. You're at a really high achieving school. And I think like, honestly, you playing those sports, like so many, like it works like different muscles in your body. I think like so many kids like need to just try different sports. Like why not? I think it's
0: so important. Exactly. I totally agree with you. And that's why I have a little brother who's 12 And when he was a little kid and my, and my little sister too, during this process, Carly, who is kind of, she's a junior in high school right now looking for, or going to be a senior looking for colleges to get to. And as Brady, who's 12, almost 13 is kind of going through this process. He does the same thing. He plays a bunch of sports. And I think it's really helped him kind of in the long run to be a better athlete, like a well-rounded athlete. I think it creates a really well-rounded athlete playing multiple sports. But honestly, playing just lacrosse too gives you time to really focus on those stick skills and really kind of get into just being a lacrosse player, which is also really cool. Yeah.
1: Like there is that like point in time where you do shift your focus like on lacrosse. And like you said, yours was kind of like that middle school range. And like we were recruited before the rule took place. So like eighth grade, like we were getting looked at by colleges. So talk to us about recruiting. How did you land on Duke? I mean, great school, great lacrosse team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So my first visit was in eighth grade, my winter break, eighth grade year, and I visited Ohio State. And like as a kid, that's I was 13 or 4 13 or 14. I think I was 13 at the time. Going from a school that had 300 kids in it and visiting Ohio State was like definitely a big culture shock. It was an awesome campus. The coaches were great. The girls on the team were so awesome. And I think it really gave me and all the other girls going through that process at that time, the ability to mature and grow up like overnight, basically. Like you had to learn how to talk to adults, kind of express your emotions appropriately and maturely through communicative skills. And I think that's a really big thing that has helped me at least kind of being a a really good leader and being a really good person because I've had to mature at such a young age going through that process. I'm sure, Mary, you can agree When you were going through that process, you had to talk to like adults and girls who were in college and learning kind of the balance of not really being a child, I guess, in that in that way when we really were children. So it's definitely hard. It was really hard to know what I was going to want when I was that young. And I committed to Duke my freshman going into sophomore year summer. So I was in the process for almost two years, I guess. I think if that math is correct. But It was a really, really, really amazing opportunity for me. And I have had the best time. Kirsten was so, and all the other coaches that I was recruited by were so transparent through that process. And I literally have gotten exactly what I thought I was going to get, which I don't think many people get when they're going through that process. Like Kirsten said it, how it was going to be. And I've gotten that same experience. And I think that's a huge thing. Why I love Duke so much is because of the coaching staff, because of the girls. And obviously, like, it's a, everyone says this the reason why they love Duke is because it's a perfect balance of athletics and academics really, really competitively. And that's a big thing for me, but something that I think is an intangible thing that's very different in the women's across experience is the coaching staff. I think that's something that you can't really change. It's the way that they are. And they've been so supportive and wonderful to everyone on my team and have really created a family. And that's something that I wanted. That was one of my biggest things is I wanted to be a part of a family and it really is like that there. So,
1: yeah, no, that's awesome. I love how you like touched upon how they're kind of like just straightforward. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you go to these recruiting, like whatever like tours or visits and they're just acting like it's all like sunshine and rainbows like of course like you're gonna get there and be in a little bit <laughs> of a shock like but yeah. like getting the team culture i know like when i was getting recruited like team culture was like number one on my list like i was like yeah that is so important like what does the team think about each other how do they support each other that would that's just so important i'm happy you got like that good feel at duke and Absolutely. like what you said like great academics like God forbid, like you don't play lacrosse, like, or if you Mm -hmm. just decided not to play, like Duke is still a great, great school, which is awesome. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And I think that I really wanted to take my abilities playing sports and this was a mature, a a very mature way that my parents kind of were trying to bestow upon me uh, when I was younger is like, listen, you need to take lacrosse and get to the best possible place you can academically And while I was like, I really want to play some competitive lacrosse, I got really competitive lacrosse with Duke. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of other schools in the nation that are like that. But like, I got an extremely competitive academic and athletic school using my talent. And I think that was a big thing that I, I'm really glad my parents kind of forced that wisdom upon me, because I feel like if I made a different decision or chose a different school that I was looking at, I just wouldn't have had nearly the same experience that I've had. And I just Feel really grateful and just so lucky that I'm at the place I'm at right now. And Kirsten, Nick, Brooke, Morgan, all my coaches, all the Duke staff, and all of my teammates have kind of just really become this family for me. And I just like I'm I'm really, really grateful for that.
1: Oh, I love that. I love like all the good feelings and like yeah. I just love it. Um, so you've you commit, you're, I mean, you're young, which still so you have two more years of high school, but then What did the transition to freshman year look like for you? I mean, it's a hard time like for Mm -hmm. anyone, but like on top of lacrosse, like adds a little something else. Like what did that transition look like?
0: Yeah. So I think for a lot of people, everybody's is a little bit different and it's honestly kind of an experience that you can't prepare anybody for if they're kind of blind to it. So if people kind of go in and everybody thinks that they're gonna have this shiny, awesome college experience, you know, you're, in, you're a senior in high school, you're like, get me away from my parents, or I wanna go to often my college experience and be an adult. While all of that is very true, and I did experience kind of that being on my own, kind of adultship type of vibe, my freshman year, it also is very, very hard because for somebody like me, who one is really close with my parents I'm really close with my siblings I'm really really close with all of my grandparents and my cousins we all live in the same neighborhood like my grandparents and I have a ton of cousins and just it was really hard for me to leave home and I didn't realize kind of through that process how much I would miss it so on top of that you know I dealt with an injury my freshman year I, I dislocated my fibula and that was just a really weird type of injury I do it through a surgery. And that really brought me down with my mental health. It really kind of weighed on my psyche and my emotional well-being. And something that people never really opened up to me was the access for mental health resources at home, at least. And it wasn't through any fault of my parents, through any fault of anybody. It just wasn't really a thing. Like, people never really did that. They didn't really talk about it. And I'm sure, Mary, I don't know if you agree, but I think just kind of especially in the athletic. Industry, it's not really talked about. It's kind of something you have an injury, play through it. You have, you know, something going wrong with your body, play through it. Strained muscle, it's all right, just play through it, just play through the pain. And I think playing through the pain when you can't see it is probably one of the hardest things to do because mentally and emotionally, it's you can't see it, it's not visible. So everybody's like, oh, it's okay, you can play through things, play through pain. You know, that's what we've been taught to do since we were young kids starting sports. So I think I kind of was conditioned to, you know, play through that pain, play through my mental pain, like play through all of my emotional distress, just play through it and keep pushing. And it got to a point where my coaches were kind of like, we're noticing that your play is declining. You're not confident. And Mary knows me. Everyone knows me. I'm a super confident person. I just walk into whatever, like I'm super confident own the room. In who I am own the room. <laughs> Literally just like you gotta, you just have to be your, your own person and just strut your stuff and just do your thing. And hey, that's kind of, what I used to, what I used to be like before I, I could literally stand up in any room before I got to my freshman year and just do whatever I could dance in front of people, be on stage. I would, I literally loved it. I, I loved it. And when I got there my freshman year, i really struggled with that. I, I had no confidence. I wasn't myself and my sexuality played a lot into that too. Like I was in a relationship and I wasn't comfortable with it. Having everybody know at school and having people at home know, it was a really, really hard time for me kind of coming into my own and being myself. And all of my teammates were unbelievably supportive. My coaches were so supportive. And, but I just couldn't be supportive of myself, if that makes sense. It was just kind of that fear. I almost had like a fear of being different within myself. It wasn't something that people were placing onto me. So all of those things combined kind of led my coaches, like I was saying before, to be like, we're noticing a decline in your play. You're not confident. You're really struggling. Why don't you go see... Dr. Zeppelin, who's a great resource for us. I'm like, what? Like, I'm fine. Like, no one needs to tell me anything. I'm good. I don't need to go see anybody, whatever. And they were like, no, like, we really suggest that you go and see him and talk to him. He's great. Like, whatever. And I really just did. I was super reluctant. I did not want to go and see him. I was not interested at all. Just because, again, I was, I'm fine. What do you mean? Like, I'm totally fine. I see nothing wrong. And, you know, after a little bit of personal reflection, chatting with my parents and kind of talking to some of my friends, I decided it would probably be a good idea to go and and talk to him. And it took me a bit to open up and he could tell you that too, that it definitely took me a bit to open up. But now I I talk to him literally like once a week, I see him kind of in a work relationship as well with him. He's more of like, at this point, more of like a good friend and because uh, when you go and see a therapist for a while, they really become like a good friend. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, like you can just
1: be like, hey, like, what's up
0: today? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, hey, queen, really. Yeah, like, he's like, okay, don't call me queen. Feeling a little like, sad. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, don't call me queen. And I'm like, yes, queen. <laughs> and he's like, okay, whatever. Oh my god. But no, he so I have a really good relationship with him. And yeah. I went to see him and it and it really, really, really helped me. Mm-hmm. Opening up, you know, all these different parts of you know, the internal thoughts and internal, you know, nagging thoughts that you can have and the anxiety and, you know, the depression that goes hand in hand with all the struggles that I had that a lot of people struggle with as well, especially as a freshman, it's very hard. And he was extremely helpful. And I, I, I saw him once a week and I saw a lot of improvements in my own personal health in the way that I communicated with others in the way that I opened up with other people be what was much more vulnerable with people I I just feel like, overall my experience that I had with him and my some of my teammates experiences that they've had with him or other people that they see have has been so helpful and especially Mm -hmm. breaking that stigma in sports I think it's been pivotal. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I have so many questions for you. Like, I'm like, I'm like (laughs) hearing, I'm like, okay, I need to ask something about that, about that. But, um, so with going back to like what you said earlier about the injury and kind of being kind of play through it, do you think your approach of playing through it came from like pressure of playing time, like wanting to be the best athlete, that you can be and like just the pressure like you put on yourself and like this like idea of like a dream freshman year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely is 100% why I felt that pressure. I still feel that pressure. Like I have all these nagging injuries that I'm trying to, you know, make sure that I can get surgeries at the right time or do whatever you need or, or do your rehab at the right time or making sure that you're finding time to strengthen everything you need to do. But especially I have a much better head on my shoulders about it now than I ever did. And freshman year, you know, you're a freshman, you're like fresh meat. Like you just Mm -hmm. are kind of going in and, and you're blind. You're like a newborn baby. Like you kind of, it's like a drinking out of a fire hose. Like it's, it's so much stuff coming at you and you're trying to figure out what you can do best to help the team. And to, like you said, have the dream, the dream freshman year, get playing time you know, be this amazing athlete. And I put a lot of pressure on myself. I think I'm probably the hardest on myself than anybody is ever on me because I have these high expectations for myself that some people would define as unrealistic. And, you know, with injury, if you're in that much pain, it puts a emotional damper on you as well. It puts this kind of Gloomy, rainy feeling over you all the time because you're in chronic pain. You know, everything in your body hurts. You're exhausted because you can't sleep through the night because you're in pain. Just those types of things really added up. And my mentality of pushing through that all had to do with the fact that I wanted to be the best athlete and I didn't want to fall behind. Because as a freshman, you already feel like you're behind even if you're not and I didn't want to fall behind. So, and it ended up feeling that way. made me fall behind. So yeah,
1: yeah, I I relate to that so much. So like, what was, if there was like a point or where were you, did it get to the point where it was just so painful that you were like, okay, I need surgery. Like, and yeah, you just kind of dealt with it that way.
0: Right. So I, there was a practice where, so I was basically taping it. My trainer had done a really nice job with me and kind of doing some PT and strengthening and kind of doing this taping mechanism to really hold everything in place kind of was what it was because it was something called a proximal um tib fib dislocation it's you have a tib like a a joint that's kind of below your knee that can subluxate when you pivot or plant and that's kind of what mine was doing it was causing a lot of pain and nerve pain all the way down through my feet and I kind of one practice just stepped wrong and it fully dislocated and came back came back in and my trainer saw it and was like okay we need to go see a doctor and like really figure it out and it got to a point where i was like yeah i just i got to get got to get surgery it it just needs to be done and i'll end up hurting myself further was kind of the right. breaking point where i was like i'm going to hurt myself further if i don't get surgery so oh,
1: that that's so scary i hate like yeah. when it's like an instant like oh i don't like yeah. that um so also going back to like you said I mean I know you very outgoing own the room we're on the same wavelength with that (laughs) yeah we are um why do you think like you weren't like you were more closed off not as outgoing not as yourself were you just like nervous about freshman year nervous about how people would perceive you and receive that like type of
0: energy or something like that exactly so you know And I'm sure you can agree with this as well as a kid with ADHD, you have a lot of energy and some people don't love all that energy. They think it's very overwhelming. I really was thinking too much about it. I think for me, that was definitely in the back of my mind. I didn't want to be that annoying freshman or like irritate anybody. And obviously it was an unrealistic worry of mine. It was unrealistic anxiety because all of my teammates were so welcoming and so accepting and loved all of us freshmen and all of us loved each other and it was just a really great environment. And I was also really not comfortable about my sexuality and and being open about that. Because at that point in time, I was the only person in the LGBTQ plus community on my team open, like not openly, but that I knew of. And when I finally was open about it, I was the only one that was really open about it and openly, you know, in that community. And so I never really felt like I had anybody to confide in or, you know, Talk to about the same struggles that I had, so that was another big piece of it that I was not comfortable with. And coming, you know, from a community and a hometown that's not not accepting of it, but it's it's just kind of you don't really see that many people who are openly out. Like that's not something that you're gonna be really seeing that people that are that open about it. And it's not my family is a hundred percent so accepting and so wonderful, and I, I my parents are great and my siblings are awesome and it just sometimes can be hard on a kid who isn't necessarily surrounded by anybody else like them in a town where everybody is, you know, normal in quotations necessarily. So that was definitely a big piece of it as well. Yeah. I mean,
1: I mean, sexuality is something that's hard to deal with in any community. And then on top of that, you're going to a new community and a new Mm -hmm. surrounding. So you don't know how people are going to react. You don't know what that community is like in terms of how accepting they are. And, um, so I think you hint, like you touched upon it a little bit, like obviously your team was very accepting of you, but like, you're missing that factor of like having someone like you to look up to and like, kind of have this guidance, but so your outside factors were very accepting and it just basically came to, in terms of like self-acceptance, correct me? If exactly.
0: I'm wrong. It was, it was a hundred percent more of a self self-acceptance piece. And I think a big thing too, that I really appreciated about my team was how like, it just, they were like, okay, cool. Like, like, simple. that sounds good. Yeah. Normal. Like, okay. Like it's not, exactly and there are a lot of teammates that really kind of went above and beyond with that and make people you know i see a lot of my teammates ask people like new kids coming in like hey do you do you have a significant other do you have a girlfriend or boyfriend mm-hmm. like do you like are you dating anybody or like and it makes it such an inclusive like that's a really small thing that you can do to be an ally yes. and make people feel very seen is by being like do you have a significant other like are you dating a boy or a girl or those types of things I mm-hmm. think is, is really, or like if someone comes into town, that's like a friend asking somebody, Oh, is that like your girlfriend? Or is just like a friend or like those types yeah. of things that I think make people feel pretty seen. So a lot of my teammates kind of went above and beyond with that. And my coaches are really comfortable kind of asking me like, Hey, like, how's Emmy doing? Or, you know, mm-hmm. how's everything going? Like those types of things that make people feel very comfortable. So my coaches are really great with that. I have a really good relationship with my coaching staff too. And, um, they made me feel very, very comfortable with it from the start. It was like you said before, more of that self-acceptance piece and really being willing to open up and be myself.
1: Yeah. And I like talked about on my last episode. I I think it was my last episode. Like it's inclusive dialogue, like just the little words, like it doesn't take that much effort to like, just change your dialogue, but like internally it can help someone listening like so much and to feel more included, just like not isolated I think that's just so important like just the little things we can do and like I love that your team like when you just like told them they were just like all right move on cool yeah good to know exactly yeah I love that
0: that's a big thing it's just like normalizing and not being like oh my god like yeah like no like you're not gonna do that if someone has a boyfriend you're not gonna be like oh my god you're straight like oh like that's not something that happens like it's like like okay cool nice like what like what's her name or like whatever yeah. like those types of things I
1: think help yeah like if you're having like a formal just big like boyfriend girlfriends are invited significant others like whoever you want doesn't matter just be exactly. as long as you're there having fun with the team who cares <laughs> that's exactly
0: exactly <laughs> totally. um,
1: yeah so you talked about like you eventually decided to meet with your uh doctor for like mental health um so what ultimately like led up to like you kind of being like erasing or going against the stigma that you had about mental health and ultimately being like, all right, I need to meet with someone.
0: Yeah. I think it was kind of like a little bit of a push from my family and from my coaching staff and some of my friends. And I think doing that, I, I knew that I was, I was having a hard time. I was struggling. And I was like, I, if this is going to help my on the field play, then I'm going to do it. Like if this is going to help my athletic, ability. I'm going to do it. And that was me as a freshman being like sports, sports, sports are everything. Whereas the one thing I didn't know was doing that's just going to help my overall well being, And it's going to help other people see like, Oh, that's good to do. Like, it's okay. Like it's an open environment for me to go and see somebody and, and get help that I need. And you don't have to have a mental disorder. You don't have to be mentally unstable in quotations or whatever that people always try to throw this stigma around mental health and you have to be this or you have to be that. I am in a great headspace. I'm in a great mental spot and I still see, I'm great with all of my emotions and I still see doctors up because it's nice to talk to somebody who has an unbiased opinion about your life. Mm-hmm. And you can be like, this thing is great. That's happening. I'm super excited about this or vent to him about stuff. I think yeah. that's like a big thing that I really, really enjoy meeting with him about.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's like, just so interesting. The perspective that I, I like, you just like made me realize something that like, I met with my sports psychologist at school, my freshman year and I approached it like in a similar way. I was like, this is going to help me in lacrosse. I was like, I yeah. need to become the best lacrosse player I am. And like, maybe if I get mentally like right in quotation marks, like then I'll be good at lacrosse again. But like, yep. obviously like don't like it, it's sports psychologists can help you in your sport but also there's just like a whole different side of it mental health getting your mind right and also like what you said like you're in a great mental mindset right now but like I don't know if this is how you feel but like when it comes to like mental health or just like things like body image yeah. for me specifically like it's not something that just like is not like it just happens like it's an active like thing every single day that I have to think about and like and even if I don't have like an appointment with my psychologist, like, or if I do, and it's a really good day and I'm feeling good, I'm like, all right, but maybe I wasn't feeling good. Like a week ago, like make sure like you still talk about that. Like just because you're feeling good in that moment, like, doesn't just mean that like, okay, everything's good. Like forget about it. You know,
0: that's exactly how I feel. There are so many times where I'll have a horrible day. I'll play like so bad at practice. And I'm like just overthinking everything. And then I have a great like next five days. And then I just like I'm like, wait, I still have to remember to talk about the way that I was feeling there. And honestly, too, Mary, like, I've struggled a lot with body image stuff as well. I think, honestly, most, I feel like most female athletes have a very, like, congruent experience in a sense of they experience some sort of body image issues. Like, people will will say things to me like, oh, you're so fit, or you're this, that, and the other. And sometimes I don't see that. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I don't feel like that. And there are a lot of things, like, You know, that I don't love about myself, but other people love about me. And it's kind of learning how to twist that narrative in my own head and change my own mental narrative is a big thing that I've really had to do journaling and all -hmm. those things. Something that I find really helpful for me in any sense, whether I'm struggling with my body, whether I'm struggling with anxiety or overthinking is taking a journal and kind of writing down like, okay, this is what I'm telling myself. Did somebody actually say this or is this a validated thought? And every time I write that stuff down, the section where validated thought comes is literally, no, no, not validated. Like, oh, because I like I'm just telling myself- I like that practice.
1: Like, is it Because true? then you
0: look at it, yeah, you look at it and you're like, literally none of this stuff is true that I'm telling myself. This is just me overthinking. And then you right. move on and it makes me feel so much better. And I think that's really helped me. And anytime someone comes to me and tells me they're overthinking about whatever it may be, I always tell them to do that. And right. I think- Something that I've really been trying to work on is that body and that body image piece for women's sports specifically, kind of when it comes to Morgan's message. Some of my goals for next year. And I'm going to talk to um, Stephanie Zimpalak, who is working with me now. She's on my team. Her sister, Kat Zimpalak, that you um, interviewed on the show. I don't know Steph, but I'm sure
1: she's great, too.
0: (laughs) Steph is the best. I love Steph. She's going to help me with Morgan's message. She's going to be an ambassador with me at Duke. And so I'm going to talk with her and I kind of wanted to focus on some, some body image stuff. I think that it's with men's and women's, you know, you're so forced to feel like you need to have this perfect body for your sport. Like for gymnasts having, you know, wide shoulders for swimmers, typical thing, you know, wide shoulders for soccer players. They have the strong legs. Like if you don't have those things, you feel like you're not going to be successful in your sport. Whereas your body is doing amazing things for you every day. And does and like with TikTok too, honestly. Oh my TikTok, God. The, it's so bad. Like, yes, you know, I have like that feature of not
1: interested. I'm like, oh, need to use that. Yeah,
0: needs just like, and because all these people are setting unrealistic expectations for strong, amazing athletes. Like, that's just simply not going to, and that might be the perfect body type for somebody who is also a strong, awesome athlete. But for me, that's just not the body type that I could yeah. ever have. Yeah. And just reminding myself that it's like the, unrealistic body expectations that people hold for themselves because of social media, because of all the pop culture stuff. And I think just helping people remind themselves that your body is beautiful any way that it comes and every way that it is. And it does amazing things for you every day. Yes.
1: Oh my God. You're speaking my language. Body image is something that I could go on a tangent about forever and ever. Absolutely. I think like, even if you just look at your team in itself, like every single person on the team has a different body, but also every single person like bring something different to the table. Yes. Like I had someone like, this was like literally the worst thing ever. Someone said to me, like, they looked at me and they were like, you will never look like this girl and this girl on your team. And I was like, Oh my God, like instant tears. I was like, that was horrible. I was like, please don't ever say. And they're like known to be like that, like typical, like really fit, like tiny and like good for them. Like, that's just the how, like, that's just their body type. Like good. Yeah. For them. And I was just like, how dare you? I was like, okay, great. Like I, I'm not going to look like them and I'm going to look like me. Like I'm not supposed to look like yeah. a certain way. Like, oh my God. Yeah. And like, just like body image and like relationship with food. Oh, I could go on forever. I think it's Absolutely. so important, like how we feel ourselves and also just like treat yourself too. I think having that balance and just, there's just so many like resources out there. We have, I have an episode on it. I think it's episode like three with Chloe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great about intuitive eating things like that. But yeah, there's so many great resources. I'm excited if body image starts to get really, um, a popular topic within Morgan's message, which we'll dive into. I'm so excited to talk about, um, but yeah, I'm happy you brought that up and I'm, I like your perspective of it. I think a lot of athletes do need to start getting more involved, just like body image and helping those around you.
0: And I think it's like an easier said than done thing. Like I can go and like say all those things, but it's really hard for some people. And Totally respecting and understanding and supporting people through their processes is so important. And I think especially on the men's side too, men, I feel like have such unrealistic body expectations put on them for all of their sports, for all this stuff to have like washboard, like eight pack abs and like this jacked body type. It's, it's just not realistic all the time. And also if your sport's not demanding that, then like you shouldn't have to force yourself to feel like you need to be like that. And I, and I've talked to some of my friends uh, on, on Duke teams and chatted with them on, on some of the men's teams and they definitely are feeling that pressure. And a lot of the times, you know, most athletes feel that pressure, whether you're a boy or a girl and just trying to limit that, that pressure. And, and again, take that whole extra stigma. There's the mental health stigma is a massive umbrella stigma. And then there's little stigmas under it that like, we're trying really hard to decrease and and take those away.
1: Yeah. I think like, like men's mental health and men's body image is something that does need to be talked about a lot more, especially in the athletic side of sports. But um, yeah, I think that's just so important. And like body image is something that you actively have to work through every single day. Like, it's just not Absolutely. like if you, if you have a, a certain relationship with your body and food, like you don't just wake up one day and every single day is great. It's just like an active thing. Every single day you have to practice it. You'll have good days, you'll have bad days. And like, there's tools to help you with both of those days. And I think it's just really important to really get that stigma out of here. Absolutely. Um, so going back to like, you went to th- uh, your doctor and started dealing with your mental health and you said you're at a really good place. So like, how did you, what are some of the things that you did to quote unquote, you like to use like the term unapologetic, unapologetically yourself. So like, what are some things that you were like, all right, I'm just going to be my full authentic Anna Callahan, like vibe going on. We love it. Yeah. But, like, How did you get back to that point?
0: So it was a lot of you know, reading books, reading articles, a lot of self-reflection. Do you have Don't, any
1: recommendations for books? Like please shout them out. Yeah, there's books.
0: this book. It's called Un I'm not gonna say the word because this is a family show, but it's unfunk <laughs> yourself. And okay. it's a really good book. And then I'm reading this book. It's it's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's a really good leadership book oh. that I read. And that I'm I'm gonna read again kind of now that I'm older and and in that spot that I can read it again. It's by Dale Carnegie. And so those were those are two really good books that I really enjoy. And there's a lot of articles that you can read and a lot of things that you can read about yourself that can really, really help get you out of a headspace that is really toxic. And for me, a lot of it too was just going home and Reminding myself like who I am and just being like, I'm that, I'm that girl. Like I'm that girl. Like I can go in and I can like own a room and going back, and this is something that I did. I like went back home after the season and trained and honestly got my confidence back like slowly by just building up, like going back and training and shooting by myself and doing wobble and being like, look at how prepared I am, like, look at how great I am. And That's how I focused on the lacrosse piece is kind of going back and playing at my old high school field and reminding myself, like, I did amazing things here. I deserve where I'm supposed to be. I'm meant to be where I'm supposed to be. And my spot that I'm in, I was recruited for a reason to be an impact player. And kind of reminding myself that brought me back to this confident spot. And then kind of with my coming into my own and being myself and being really comfortable with my sexuality. A lot of it was really having such supportive people in my life and giving myself time and understanding my own process, not getting frustrated with myself because I wasn't accepting myself right away. It was really that understanding of myself. Like you have to be understanding of other people and be like, okay, like they're going through something. Like, let me be patient with them and let me understand where they're coming from and help support them through this i had to do that to myself and i was neglecting that for a really long time
1: yeah i think like patience and grace with yourself is something that's so hard to master but like when if you like get it down or like have tools to like do that it's such a helpful tool to use um so i'm sure like training over winter it can be tough like or training over summer like all that stuff. I'm sure there was some days, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's some days where you're just like, Oh, like, I kind of don't want to do it today. Like, how did you approach those days? Maybe when you weren't feeling like hundred percent of yourself, but you still wanted to make step towards becoming that confident self again.
0: Yeah. So a lot of what I do is I kind of like, so the, I kind of think about back to why, like why I'm doing And there definitely are days, there's still days now where I'm like, oh my God, it's so hot. Like, I don't want to run or like, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Like literally like all week is just like, oh my God, it's just like so hot. Or like after work, I work, you know, like 7am to like six or like seven to seven. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so tired. I just had such a long day. Like I'm exhausted. Like I have to go home and study still. Like I have to do all this stuff. Reminding myself that like how I felt my freshman year and like, I never want to be like that around other people. I never want to be like that around myself. Like I was like in such a bad headspace that I just feel like I brought other people down that I was around. And I'm like, I want to be a kid that people can rely on to bring other people up and to be that awesome energy spark and to be that Anna Callahan that people know. And just reminding myself, like you're a beast, like you're here to do this. Like remember why you're doing this. And it's because you love it. One, two, I do it because of all the sacrifices that people have made for me and all the time commitments that my parents did. And I do it, you know, to be a great role model for younger kids and my siblings. I do it just for so many reasons. And the main thing, like I said before, is because I love, it. like, I just love doing it. I love grinding like I love being uncomfortable because it makes you grow as a person and that kind of getting comfortable being uncomfortable growth happens in those last like two to three reps growth happens in the when it's hot outside when you don't want to do it that is when you grow the most because it's growing your mental fortitude and that's one thing that I really have worked so hard on is that mental fortitude piece
1: Woo. I'm about to go outside and run some sprints. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, let's <laughs> do it. Um, One thing that you said that I really, really liked is that you like go back and like remind yourself of how you felt freshman year. I think when someone goes through a tough time in their life or remembers like a time when their mental health may have not been the best, they kind of just want to forget about it and look at where they are right now and it's so important to see all that growth but also like go back to where you were and like still get those messages uh, and lessons that you learned from that moment and like take them with you and like don't just like forget about that hard time in your life like make something out of it and like do i mean the whole scheme of this podcast like you're supposed to like just own your shit like you like we're not perfect and just own up to like if you weren't in the perfect mindset like Okay, cool. Like, let's Absolutely. let's move on. Let's do something about it. Yeah, I love that you like yeah. still like remind yourself of that.
0: Yeah, and there are some days like like back when I was really struggling through that process, and when I was coming out of it in the summer, kind of going into my sophomore year, where there were days where I needed a break, and like taking those breaks, like on the weekends or like on a Sunday when you just want to chill, chill. It's good for your body. Like stretch. Like do your yoga. Like do functional fi- fitness. Like do all the type of things, and if Whatever makes you feel your best and feel the most prepared. I feel like I often overtrain, not overtrain in a bad way, but I overprepare because what mm. makes me feel the most confident is by being prepared, by knowing that I've prepared myself. That is when I feel most confident, being like, yeah, I got it. I can do it whenever because mm. I've done this so many times. So that's kind of my yeah. mindset behind why I feel like I do so much. Is because I feel like that's what makes me feel the most confident.
1: Yeah. And like every person's different. Like I'm kind of like you in the way that if we have a run test, like before we actually run the real run test, like I need to do it three or four times knowing I can just do it. Like I just need mm-hmm. it. But then there's other people on my team where they're like, I've never ran it before until today. And I'm like, okay, that works for you. Like works for you. Like just knowing exactly. what makes you the most confident. Um exactly. lovely. But all right. Now let's dive into, so I love people that take shitty things that happen to them and do something out of it to help other people. And I feel like you are the epitome of that with Morgan's message. We love our friends over at Morgan's message, our, the mental matchup, great mm-hmm. podcast. I highly recommend. Um, so they give you a shout out on I think episode 17, if I'm correct. And you, I did not know you were the first college ambassador for Morgan's message. So. Yeah. Talk to us about how you started the ambassador program, what it is exactly, what Morgan's message is, just let's hear about it.
0: So Morgan's message is an ambassador program to break the stigma for mental health and to really hone in on the athletics piece behind it and how athletes can really play a big role in breaking that stigma in athletics and the program started the ambassadorship program started at Duke. And I had, I remember going down and and traveling to see Miss Donna and I texted her one day and I was like, hi, I've started kind of a mental health program. I started a mental health program, um, in May during, um, mental health awareness month during COVID and to help some of the athletes going through things and struggling. And I wanted to be, you know, there for people and create this big community, to help athletes know that they're not alone. And I had heard on the anniversary of Morgan's passing that they were going to start something called Morgan's message, a nonprofit. And I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. I would love to maybe sponsor Morgan's message or have them kind of sponsor us so we could carry on that message, especially at Duke since Morgan attended Duke. And Morgan was one of my good friends. And I remember her... You know, my freshman year, she was super supportive, just an amazing friend, especially as a freshman coming in. I knew her more as a friend than I did as a teammate. And she just was such a fun-loving individual, super, super friendly. I remember when I was getting surgery, actually, it was on Halloween and I'm a big fan of Halloween. Really love Halloween. Love the candy, Mm -hmm. love the dressing up, love the whole thing. And she knew that I was bummed out that I was going to miss Halloween. So she brought me a pillow sack filled with candy she showed up and was like oh my god go. i
1: love that
0: it was so sweet and i was literally studying at the case center the night before and she was just that was just you know the epitome of morgan just cared so much about other people cared so deeply and so i wanted to do something that cared that deeply about other people the way that she did about her friends and her family so i called miss donna and i was like hey i'm on my way down to school i'd love to stop and meet with you guys and, and see you guys um because I hadn't seen them since Morgan's passing and I drove down and I met with them and I ended up staying there for like hours and just talking to them just about stories about Morgan and different things about Morgan that were really amazing. And we got on the topic of Morgan's message and my program that I had and she was like, we kind of were going back and forth. And I was like, I would love if we could, you know, sponsor Morgan's message or start a program or do something. And we kind of came down to it and, and everybody at Morgan's message just kind of came together and I kind of put my head in there with them a bit and we were like, it'd be really cool to start an ambassador program and call it Morgan's messengers. And I, I told them I was like, I think that's a really great idea. I think it would really help other people. So we decided to create this, you know, the ambassador program at Duke as kind of like a little Guinea pig run to see how it would go. It was kind of going to be formatted. Like the one love um, foundation is I think we really, really look up to them as an organization and how well they've done and, they're kind of like foundation of everything the way it's structured and so we have these ambassador programs and I started mine and it went really well over COVID it was hard with the zoom meetings but started that off and it's just been really really awesome to have it at school and everybody at Morgan's message has been so awesome and now we have so many programs I think it's over I think it's over 150 now over 160 programs that we have and it might even be more than that. At that point, I have to look on the website, but all these ambassador programs and saving people's lives really. So Morgan actually wanted to be a sports psychologist. So we're kind of like doing her work. So I think that that's kind of a really amazing thing. And just her parents and all of her friends, her closest friends are just such amazing people. And they have done so much for the mental health community and just really changed the game for people and and really you know, started breaking that stigma with a bunch of other organizations and foundations that we have. And it's just been a really, really amazing experience for me to get to meet people and get to know people and get to know their stories and have other people help others with their stories and whatever it may be. It's just an awesome community that they've created and that I really feel like I've helped facilitate. So I'm really happy about
1: it. Yeah. I, I love, love, love Morgan's message. I literally listen to their podcast, follow along everything that they do And I just joined as an ambassador, which I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to bring it on Tech's campus. I just like thank you guys so much for trying to and actually – making an impact on erasing the stigma of mental health. And I just think it's such an important program. And like, it really has built, like I was coaching a clinic the other day and like little middle schoolers had like the Morgan's message, like sticker on their sticks. And I was like, Oh, you have like a Morgan's message, like butterfly. And they're like, yeah, it's Morgan's message. I was like, Oh my God, that's amazing. I just see it yeah. everywhere. And I love it. Um, and like, I just like, th- can't thank you guys enough for what you all do. And it's a great team, honestly, the ones that lead it, but there's so many ambassadors out there, but just amazing people.
0: Yeah. Well, honestly, like that, that whole thing that you just said about like the younger kids having stickers, like that means a lot to me because it's breaking that stigma from a young age. I wasn't, I feel like nobody really at our age at, you know, knew anything about mental health or knew anything about, all of that stuff. And I feel like just seeing that that younger kids have that sticker or they know about the organization is huge because if they need help at their age now or maybe when they're older, they'll know where to go and they'll know that okay, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be yeah. struggling. And honestly, like hearing hearing about your story and hearing about I, I literally knew from the second of your diagnosis how positive you would be and how amazing you would be. And I literally the second I heard it, I was like, oh, she's got it. She's such a piece. Yeah. Like she's good. so positive. Good. Yeah. I love and, I know, that. and I know you've probably had your struggles and your battles and every day it's probably hard for you, you know, especially through that whole process and how open and outgoing you are and how much you care about mental health. And that is also huge for people doing what you're doing now with this podcast. It's accessible. It's easier for people to listen to. You're somebody that people are going to be drawn to because of your energy, that's that's really what's helping. That's really what's helping break the stigma is people like you who go on and pass along the messages and, and be that open dialogue for people to come to and talk to. So that's Mary, that's really oh, huge. Thank Oh my God. You just
1: made my day. And like right yeah. back at you, like I think I mean, we said it before we start filming, but like us together, it's a powerful duo. Watch out, it world! Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, watch out, we're changing the world. Here we are. Here absolutely. We come. Um, yeah, I think our energy is absolutely unmatched, and I just love like this. I feel the power. I feel the vibes. We're good, <laughs> good together, and Me I think too. <laughs> there's. like we have a lot to do in the future, and I am excited for like the future work. I'm sure we'll work more together in the future, and absolutely. really just like really just erasing the stigma. I think it's so important. And like, you've done a big part of that with your article on Inside the Cross. Like, I'll put the link in the information of this episode to Anna's um, article that she wrote. It's awesome. She's just totally herself, totally authentic and just really creates an environment that a younger person lacrosse player anything can look up to and be like okay Anna was feeling this way I relate to that in some sense like thank god I have people like Anna and uh, so many other people out there that now are being so open about it that can help that younger generation to be like okay like I I relate to that like I have people to look up to that are just like me and I think that's just so awesome and so important to how see how far we've come but there's still work to be done
0: yeah. And I think that's a huge part of, of Morgan's message and also kind of with all of Morgan's friends and family and, and how how much they've been willing to take something so devastating that's happened to them and help other people. Yeah. And her parents are such unbelievable people and they were so excited to read that article that I wrote about, you know, all my struggles that I had, and they were so supportive of, of me. So it's having people that I look up to also being so supportive of me. And that's kind of something that has helped me and and knowing that I can be that person for somebody too. And you can be that person and anybody can be that person, as long as they put their mind to it and just are really willing and open to do it. And, and I'm just really appreciative that, you know, the Rogers and all of, all of Morgan's close friends and and family are so open and willing. They were so open and willing to allow me to have that type of ambassador program to start and try out at Duke with, with Morgan's message. And it became something really amazing and and beautiful. That's helped so many people. And I'm just really appreciative for them because without that and this organization, I feel like I wouldn't have nearly had the platform that I have today to, to talk about all this stuff. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. People like that are just, Oh, so important just yeah so 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 important i just like can't even go on. i can go on and on but um i mean everyone check out morgan's message instagram any i mean any social media they're on yeah. their podcast is on spotify and apple the mental matchup um get involved like it's high school and college like get involved or even just like simply like just checking out their website buying merch for that from them representing what morgan's yeah. message. and like be that like person that can maybe help a friend a family member like Mm -hmm. just being more open about like the mental health aspect of life genuinely but I think this is awesome like Morgan's message great 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 thing you guys are doing um well this was so fun I mean I do have like one final question so basic Mm -hmm. question like so you like obviously have come a really really long way like if you had like a piece of advice for someone who kind of maybe hesitant about asking for help, what would you want to say to them?
0: Treat yourself like you would treat somebody else. I think that's a big thing. Treat yourself with kindness, treat yourself with grace and take your own advice that you would give to somebody else. I think that's a big thing is, is reminding yourself that you are a human being, you, it is okay not to be okay. It is okay to struggle and it's okay to go get help. Even if you don't need help, it's okay to go and chat with a therapist or a behavioral health psychologist, just because you want to talk to somebody with an unbiased opinion. I think that is a great thing to do and make sure that you're open-minded and willing to change, I think is a big thing. If you go to therapy and you talk to somebody, you're not willing to change. You're not going to get anything out of it. Make sure you're willing and open to change that's
1: a big thing. It's, it's hard work, but it is. you can do it. Anna's living proof. Look at her now thriving, <laughs> absolutely thriving. I'm inspired. Yeah. Um, well, Anna, thank you so much for coming on and just like being so open being you. I'm so happy and like proud of how far you've come. I know like, I'm happy you're like the Anna, like that we just know and love. And I just think what you're doing is absolutely incredible.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really proud of you and how far you've come to. I'm sitting on this podcast show with like a kid that I used to just do backflips over trash. With, like when <laughs> like middle school, like, it's it just, really, it's really amazing. Circle. It is. It's all full circle. And I'm just, I'm really just amazed by everything you're doing and how much you're helping others. And I'm just, I'm super excited to see how far this goes. And Everybody follow all of her accounts. You better be listening to these podcasts. Oh yeah. We're going to promote this
1: episode. This is a great episode.
0: Absolutely. I cannot wait. Well, thank you. And
1: watch out world. We got a, we got a big duo coming. We got a big,
0: big (laughs) intimidating duo. Intimidating.
1: (laughs) Yep. In a good way. In the best way possible. Yes, absolutely. Thank you.